0: It looks like chronic myeloid leukaemia is potentially cured. So said Hagop Kantarjian, speaking at the Palm Beach Cancer Symposium held recently in Hollywood, Florida. He also gave the conference his latest data on therapies his team at the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston is using to keep CML under control, even in patients who have the T315I mutation. I asked him for more about this and about his belief that CML is now potentially an indolent disease which can be managed,
1: like hypertension, diabetes or heart disease. The uh, story of CML is amazing because now we have about an eight to nine year follow-up on these patients. Uh, we see that the estimated survival is at eight years about, is about 90%. Uh, Many of the patients are now dying not from CML, but with CML. They are dying from old age and other causes. And the annual mortality, which used to be about 10% a year for the first two years, and then 20% later on, has been reduced to 1% every year for the first eight uh, to nine years. So a very amazing uh, story in CML. But we still know that about a third of the patients ultimately may become resistant Uh, The resistant uh, rate annually is about uh, 2 to 4%. So we have developed uh, treatments for the patients who become resistant to imatinib in two forms. The first form is what we call the second-generation tyrosine kinase inhibitors, and these come in two flavors, um, things which are pure BCR-able kinase inhibitors but more potent than imatinib. Uh, For example, the case of nilotinib, and then there's the dual-sarc-able inhibitors, uh, like the satinib and bosutinib, which are. Uh also more potent than imatinib. Now, when do they come in? When do you start using them? So we use them usually in patients who fail imatinib therapy. Now, if they fail in the chronic phase, you can use those second-generation tyrosine kinase inhibitors as a more permanent therapy, and you watch for the response. And if the response is good, you can continue them on that. If the response is suboptimal, you can consider allogeneic transplant. For the patients who fail imatinib therapy, but the failure is an accelerated or the phase. You can rely on those drugs as a temporary measure to reduce the disease burden, but you have to go for a transplant. Now, as I mentioned, the second group of drugs we're developing are drugs which are not ATP-binding drugs, and these are agents that could work in the most resistant forms like patients with T315I mutation. So um, there are several drugs which are selective T315I inhibitors. There are five of them. Two of them are oral agents, Um, and uh, they are giving us outstanding very early results. And then there's the group of the old drugs like homoherringtonine and d which we're developing in that setting too.
0: Yes, where does homoherringtonine fit into this? Because that's one of your your drugs
1: in reserve, as it were. Right. So homoherringtonine is a very, very old drug that was developed in China. Uh, It was brought into the United States. In the early 80s and since then we've been trying to develop it for an FDA approval. Initially we tried in AML then in MDS and more recently in CML but every time we got uh, close to a, a potential good indication new drugs like imatinib and the second generation TKIs came about. So now we are developing homoherringtonine for patients who have developed the T315I mutations or for patients who have failed the existing standards of care like imatinib and another TKI. And we're finding very good results in terms of a cytogenetic response rate in the range of 40% and suppression of the T315I mutant in about 60%. Mm -hmm. Now you had good news here at the Palm Beach Cancer Symposium for patients who want to get pregnant too, didn't you? Well, I don't think uh, it's uh, good news. I think what I tried to allude to is that uh, pregnancy remains a problem because half of um, the patients with CML are women and many of them are young. So it's becoming a big societal problem as to what to do. What I did uh, uh, is show data from France where patients with CML who were in complete molecular response for two years had their treatment stopped. And what the investigators see is that in half of the patients, the disease has not come back yet. So one possibility for uh, women who insist on becoming pregnant is to wait until they achieve a complete molecular response and then hold the treatment, have them become pregnant, deliver, and then resume imatinib therapy as soon as possible.
0: Because it does seem that if you get control
1: with imatinib for two or three years, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, but you have to do to be in a complete molecular response for uh, the treatment to be considered to be stopped in a safe manner. So it's not something we would recommend. It's something that, uh, that the oncologist may be pushed into doing by young women who insist that having children is a priority for them and w- uh, who are willing to take some risk in terms of stopping imatinib therapy.
0: Now what's the news on allogeneic transplantation you conceded just now that
1: there is still a, a case just occasionally for allotransplant. transplant so could you explain so allogeneic transplant i think remains a very important and curative modality but instead of it being a frontline therapy for cml it has been pushed into a second and sometimes a third line therapy so in patients with cml uh, in the m- majority of the patients one would resort to imatinib-based therapy and use the transplant only in patients with imatinib failure. However, there's an additional caveat which is patients who fail imatinib in the chronic phase may still do very well with the second generation tyrosine kinase inhibitors as a more durable therapy. If the patients fail imatinib in accelerated or blastic phase then allogeneic transplant should be considered very seriously. What about younger patients? Um, In younger patients, again, I would not not offer allogeneic transplant up front because these uh, patients who are young, let's say they are 5 to 10 years old, they are now into their 30s post-allogeneic transplant. They have multiple complications. Uh, There's more data on morbidities. Patients can develop cataracts. They can develop Uh, hypnecrosis, they can develop uh, collagen disorders, they can have a mortality which exceeds that of a normal individual. So I don't see that it is really uh, something that we could recommend as frontline therapy even in the very young patients.
0: In spite of all of this you had good news for the transplant teams because you're keeping so many patients alive that eventually many of them could benefit from a transplant. That's correct, that's correct. So what is the bottom line for practicing clinicians
1: is it uh, to quote a former US president mission accomplished so i think uh, a lot of the mission has been accomplished in chronic myeloid leukemia in the sense that most of the patients will uh, with imatinib therapy live their normal life and they will uh, die not from uh, not from cml but with cml the same way as patients live and die with diabetes and hypertension and heart disease Uh, The second generation TKIs are improving the accomplished missions so these could be considered as the surge, the military surge that led to further improvement and we still have few issues to deal with in terms of uh, patients with T315 inhibitors. Can we stop therapy? Can we eradicate the dormant stem cells with some of the new agents and so on? And are the assays for all of the mutations readily available, easily done? The assays for the mutations are readily available in the major laboratories. Um, I would recommend not to do a mutational analysis except in patients who fail imatinib therapy. There's no point in doing them uh, upfront or in doing them in a patient who is responding. But in patients who fail imatinib therapy or in patients who are failing other TKIs, it will be very worthwhile doing the mutational analysis. This will help identify patients with the T315 eye mutation that may not respond to the existing second-generation TKIs and who may benefit from transplant or from some of the selective T315 inhibitors. Also, some of the mutations may respond selectively to one TKI rather than another, so it's worthwhile doing the mutations in patients who are failing TKI therapy. Hagop Kantarjian, Chair of the Leukaemia
0: Department at the MD Anderson Cancer Centre in Houston. For Oncology Times Broadcast News with the Audio Journal of Oncology, I'm Peter Goodwin.